We are continuing our worship series called A Clean Slate, Stories of Restoration. And boy, have I got a good one for you. A true story about a dog. A dog named Lucky, as it were. And he's a black Labradoodle, very smart, born in Rolla, Missouri, near St. Louis. So he's a Cardinal fan. You know he's going to be all right, okay? I happen to be a Cardinals fan, too. <laughs> born in Rolla, Missouri. And uh, they sent him to a farm to live with a family. And he had all this space, and he was kind of isolated and didn't have a lot of people around, and he was going crazy. And the family could not keep this rambunctious dog any longer and decided that they needed to take him to a shelter. And you know where that could end up. And one of the shelter workers there near Rolla knew, found out about a program that kind of reached dogs. And he was very smart. He's a Labradoodle. And uh, to help people that need a companion, whether it be a vet or a a person with a health condition or a, you know, provide therapy somehow to some people. And so they called this a place in Kansas. There's an international program called the CARES program that trains these dogs in Kansas. And they drove over, true story, to St. Louis, picked up this dog and said, what do you think? And they said, well, it's pretty wild. We'll, we'll give it a shot. We don't usually like to take rescues. We like to breed them, but we'll see. And the worker put the dog in, isolated in a, a little crate or a kennel in the back of her SUV, and the dog did not like that isolation, and uh, pooped and peed all over everything. That's what I think of your little crate, right? <laughs> so she stopped at the roadside, cleaned everything up, cleaned the dog, uh, put him back in, again. She gets out, cleans the crate, cleans the dog, roadside, side of the road, right? Cars run by cleans herself, looks at the dog and says, appropriately named because you're going to be lucky to make it, right, <laughs> to Kansas, <laughs> let alone through this program. So she, uh, they put it through the program, and they use eight uh, prisons throughout the country. This dog went to Florence, Colorado, uh, where they sent a bunch of Gitmo, Guantanamo Bay terrorists, and they also have a minimum security prison. And this minimum security prisoner took on this dog as his mission to train. Morning, noon, and night, for 10 months, this dog lived in isolation and in prison with this inmate. And he tried to train it. Great story. The dog quickly turns around, starts to learn and obey the commands, and graduates at the top of his class in Topeka. I know this, this dog's story, because my wife and I simultaneously put our name in for a therapy dog out at Cedar Rapids Prairie. We went through the CARES program, and they told us, we've got a dog for you, and you'll meet him or her when you get down there, and we've got a video of that moment. Let's take a look. Thank you. 
energetic boy and more than they could handle. So uh, they donated him to us, and uh, he was already named. But I, I told him he was pretty lucky that he found his way to us. The alternative in an animal shelter might not have been a good thing for him. So he is the sweetest boy, though. He has turned into a really nice man. <laughs> oh, that was a fun moment. <clears throat> so Lucky came home with us and became our family's dog uh, this past fall. And during the day, Lucky goes to school and services 400 children a day at Prairie Crest Elementary. And he is thriving because he wanted to be around people. He couldn't take it being isolated on that farm away from the rest of society. Isolation is hard. Isolation is challenging for any living creature. That's why in prison, if you've been a bad boy or a bad girl, they send you to the hole, right? They send you to isolation because it turns you around pretty quick. It's a huge punishment to be isolated from our fellow human beings. And if you spend enough time in the hole, uh, studies show that you become like an animal, right? You think your own survival and your, you, your fear takes your body and, and you worry about, you know, where your next meal is going to come from and you turn inward and it, it gets really scary when you're by yourself. I imagine that the woman in today's gospel was having all of these feelings inside of her. You see, when she met Jesus at high noon, at the high heat of the day, and there was nobody else there. There was nobody else there for a reason. Because nobody comes to the well in the high heat of the day. You come when the sun goes down and the place will be buzzing with people. But she was not allowed to go to the well because she was uh, socially distanced from the rest of her community as punishment to stay away from us. And Jesus ticked off her sins that kept her right. right? Now the irony is, what we're facing now in the States is we need to socially distance from one another out of love, right? We have to stay clear of each other and avoid huge crowds and masses for the next weeks and months. We have to do it because we love one another. But in this case, in this case, it was a punishment. She was being punished. She was being kept at arm's length from all the decent folks. Because she was a Samaritan. Because she had five husbands. And that's no bueno, no good. And in the high heat of noon, alone with Jesus, she meets someone who tells her a different message. You're not meant to be isolated or kept away from the community or punished for what you've done. I have a pretty good relationship with God. I know the big guy. You're, in fact, you're looking at him, right? I am he and he is me. And I'm telling you that God accepts you and loves you just as you are. The same thing he says to all of you, friends. I accept you and love you for just... I know your past. I know those things you're not proud of. You made some poor choices. I don't say the choices are okay, but you're okay. I forgive you. I accept you. And what did this woman do when she heard these, these, this good news? 
she went and told uh, everyone she could, hey, this guy accepted me. He loved me for who I am. Right? Going back to our, our dog, the end, of the, day of our, the end of the week of our training down in Kansas, I had to, it was the seven days of training, and we went down there, Kate, my wife Katie and I went down, we met Lucky, learned how the 30 commands that he knows, which is crazy to me. Uh, well, tra- 10 months. Now they need to train the humans. They need to train us. <laughs> so we had seven days of intensive training. I came back on like day four to come back to the church. Katie stayed, and I totally missed this. At the end of the week, they took all the dog handlers to one of the prisons in Kansas that trains these dogs. And she got to meet and hear from one of the inmates that trained one of the dogs in our group. And when that dog was reunited with this inmate, you should have seen its tail, you know, just wagging to be reunited with him. And he, uh, just the same way, lit up, oh, good to see you, good to see you, you know, love, there, all that love between man and man's best friend. And then he spoke, friends. And he spoke about being isolated in prison and how many days there is just no hope to go on. But he was so grateful for the privilege to be in this dog training program that not only could he have a companion morning, noon, and night for 10 months, but he knew, he said, that I'm doing some good in this world. That this dog is going to leave this terrible place and go on and help somebody. A veteran feeling alone and isolated from PTSD. A medical condition. Someone with a medical condition who may need this dog to live and save their life. Children. Hundreds of children to light up their days and to bring them comfort and companionship. You know, he says that there, there may be, uh, I may never meet these families, and, and that's okay. We'll, we'll never meet our prisoner that trained our dog, and that's good for both parties that we don't make contact. But boy, is that challenging. He said, I may never know the family or where this goes, but I'm paying it forward by helping someone. Friends, in the next few weeks and months, as fear and panic grips our nation, you can't let it grip you. We will continue to be here and we will find ways, if not in person, over the internet or whatever it takes virtually, to spread the gospel, to be Christ in the world. But we're only half the equation here, right? You're the other half. We'll take the message of Jesus, but you need to be the woman at the well telling people that are feeling hopeless and fearful and isolated, that you're not alone. I need each and every one of you to call on 10 people this month. Get on the phone. Get on social media. Text them. Check in with them. Don't go see them in person, right? (laughs) Keep your social distance out of love, but let them know that they are not alone. Think of the elderly in our community. Think of the fears that they're experiencing. Find someone who's not connected to our church and just check in with them. Say, how you doing? Are you okay? You know, God is with you. I heard this great message. God is with you. You will be the woman at the well. 
letting them know that we are not going through a crisis or any crisis alone, that we always have each other and we always have our living God. Amen.